And I'm not okay with that. I I'm not. I finished watching the Olympics, and I have to say that okay, right? No, I mean it was good. I love the Olympics. I you know I fast forward through a bunch of stuff, and I watch the highlights, and I like the human interest stories. Although I have to say I don't feel like they did as many human interest stories, or maybe I just missed some of them because I fast forwarded through a lot. But um, the whole Ryan Lochte scandal. I was going to say, should we so ridiculous? Douchey But honestly. I feel like, and maybe I'm just another one of those who's downplaying because he's a rich white you know, male, but I look at it and go, um, really? Yes. Did Ryan Lackey do something stupid? Yeah, he did do something stupid, but don't we have to kind of blame the news media for making a bigger deal out of this than it really needed to be? It was not that, it, I mean, yes, was it a big deal? He lied, but he, he kind of pulled a Brian Williams because I look at it and go, Okay, I'm sorry. The video comes out and the Brazilian, you know, uh, police are like, we're vindicated. He's a liar. He's this. He's that. He's awful. He's, you know, th there's nothing wrong with us. And I look at it and go, hang on. Uh, that's not what I see. What I see is a bunch of boys sitting on a curb with their arms raised with people who are not in uniform pointing guns in their faces, pointing a gun in their face with their hands up. So, because they pulled a poster off the wall. So I, I go, okay, yeah, did they do something stupid? And did he pull a Brian Williams and embellish? Yeah, he embellished, but they're kind of forgetting the part that it actually happened to them. Strangers speaking a different language, not in police uniforms, pointed a gun into their taxi, made them get out and sit on the curb and give them money. They had to give them money? Yes, before they would let them leave, they had to give them money to pay for the damages, which they claim they vandalized the inside of the bathroom. All four boys, or three, or however many there were, say, we never got into the bathroom. It was locked. Yes, was Ryan Lochte being a drunken idiot and belligerent? Yes. Did, did he pull a metal poster off the wall for no reason whatsoever? Yes. Did they urinate behind the bathroom because they couldn't get into the bathroom? Yes. Did they vandalize inside of the bathroom like they're claiming? No. They pulled a poster off the wall, and that they they deserve to get guns pointed at them for that. So I don't understand. It's just ridiculous. It's become so ridiculous. And yes, you know, a hero has fallen, and he'll be able to. Everybody loves the comeback story. But fucking Kate Moss was videotaped doing heroin, and she's got endorsements again. She's yeah. as famous as she ever was. She was in the AbFab movie. She was in the, you know, I don't know. I just think that our society has gotten so ridiculous. And we were listening to that song. I forgot who sings it. Kick them when they're up. Kick them when they're down. Uh -huh. Kick them yeah, when yeah. they're up. Kick them all around. Yeah, yeah. Dirty laundry. And so the kids were, you know, my, my son, who knows all lyrics to all classic rock songs, because he listens to that a lot. He knows who everybody is. If he was here, he could tell us who sings that song. Right. He's in the back singing it, and me and my dude are in the front singing it. And the girls, my stepdaughters, are like, what are they talking about? Dirty laundry. And so oh, we... Uh, we no. I don't think so. We explained to them what the song meant about the news and the dirt. 
And so then all of a sudden, the Ryan Lackey starts coming out. And every time the story hits the air, my son is in the background. He'd be in the other room, and you can hear him going, kick him when they're up, kick him when they're down, kick him when they're up, kick him all around. <laughs> I said, exactly, honey. This is a perfect example of the song Dirty Laundry. It is. And I'm going to tell you right now, Don Henley. Thank you. Don Henley. I'm like, so what did you, I knew it was one of those. Who, what did you think of that whole story as it was unfolding? Uh, I have sporadically followed the Olympics, and I don't watch the news. So that's one of the things. I have devolved myself from listening to a lot of bullshit. Um, so I heard the beginning story that, you know, that they were held up at gunpoint, and then I heard that that's not the case. So I haven't heard enough of it. I have never had a, I've never been a big fan of Ryan Lochte. He seems to be like douchey McDouchebag. Well, from what I understand, and I can't, there was something that came out after the last Olympics where he was said one of those, like, he made some comment that ended up hitting the, not major news, but that, I wish I could remember what it was, but it basically kind of outed him for being not the sharpest tool in the shed. Like, he's very pretty, but not super intelligent. So, it makes sense to me, some of the stuff that he's saying and the confusion and the drunkenness and um, and the it's embellishing. probably a publicist nightmare. Well, but the thing about it is, is that when you look at the story that he told, it's actually more of it is true than not true. Because he came on and he, you know, Billy Bush, who was in – Brazil reporting. He's an entertainment reporter, and now, yeah. now he's working for the. He was hired by the Today Show. Now, now he's working for the Today Show. He ran into Ryan Lochte after it happened when the reports were yes, it happened. No, it didn't happen. Yes, it happened. So he ran into Ryan Lochte the next morning, hours, like maybe three hours at four hours after it happened, because it happened like in the early early morning. And said, "Is it true?" And got an interview with him on the beach. And Ryan Lochte's story was so drunk. And he was still drunk. That's was the problem. He? Yes. He didn't. And, and no, you couldn't tell. But afterwards, he was like, listen, I was still intoxicated when I, when I told you that story. Did I embellish to make myself look good? Yeah, I did. I was still drunk. But his story is he got up and said, no, I'm not going to sit down on the curb. We didn't do anything wrong. And the guy pointed a gun, at, you know, at, put a gun at his forehead and cocked it and told him to sit down and that they were robbed. So the robbed was embellished because he probably felt at the time like they were being robbed because they were being taken advantage of um, because they did make them pay them money before they would leave. He also did get up and threaten the guy and say, why am I, you know, why are you pointing a gun at us? This isn't fair. We didn't do anything wrong. And the only part that was really embellished was the point that he pointed it to his forehead and cocked it and told him to sit down. And the fact that they were actually robbed, it was more, Figuratively, figuratively being robbed than literally being robbed. But when you look at the story, it's like, yeah, I'm sorry, but more than 50% of his story was true. And they're treating him like you're a liar and you made it all up and you're just, we were embarrassed about behavior. And it's like, yeah, he pulled a poster off the wall. But what, and yes, there was an interpreter there interpreting saying, you, they, you have to pay them money. They say you vandalized. And they were like, just let us go. We didn't really do anything. Just let us go. And I don't know. It's just so ridiculous. It was one of those stories that I'm like, this is going to be on the news every fucking night and in the afternoon and in the morning. And it's like, just report, on the people, the news. just report on the people who won stuff. That and apparently 
the Twitter shaming. Everybody Twitter shamed Gabby Douglas. You know who yeah, Gabby Douglas ridiculous. is? That pissed me off. That really pissed me off. I never, can I tell you that I never ever get involved in tweets like that? And I have been going back and forth for days because I so badly want to tweet because her hashtag is like love for Gabby, Team USA, something like that. Hashtag love for Gabby. And I so badly want to tweet because I saw a story and you know, everybody makes it racial. I don't, I don't go there because I don't know if it's racial or not. It's just idiotic. I don't know if it's racial versus male, female. I think it's more male, female than it is racial. But so Gabby Douglas, for those of you who don't know, gets Twitter shamed because when they're winning their gold medal, all five of them are standing on the podium and four of the girls have their hands over their hearts while the national anthem is playing and Gabby Douglas is standing at attention. And she got Twitter shamed because she was un-American for not putting her hand on her heart. And then... Another story hits a couple of days later, a the pole former, former military pole vaulter. So you saw this. Yeah, I saw He's that. going to pole vault. Halfway through his pole vault, he's running down the thing. He stands, puts the pole down, and stands at attention. And the big story is, oh, my God, how amazing and how American he is because he heard the national anthem play across the, the stadium, and he stopped everything and stood at attention. Well, he stood his attention. He didn't put his hand over his heart, yet he's all over the media being like, oh, my God, what an amazing American he is because he stood at attention for the national anthem. Well, they shamed Gab- him a little bit. They, they shamed Gabby him Douglas. on that, too. And then he was shamed. Who shamed him? They didn't shame him. The I've news seen, I saw. I've seen stuff. No, I've seen comments where, like, he should put his hand over his heart. And then, and then people are like, no, you idiot. Anybody who's in the military. You stand at attention. Uniform, if he was in uniform, he would salute. If he's. You just stand at attention. I don't think there's anything wrong with standing at attention or, you know, not putting your hand over your heart. No, but that's the thing. He makes I mean, the I news. You should put your hand over your heart. But He makes the news because, you know, he's a, a, this amazing American, and she makes the news because she's an, an unpatriotic bitch who, right. you know, didn't put – it's just ridiculous. Everything about it is ridiculous. Why aren't we talking about the people who are winning gold medals or the people who are, you know – or the fact that we didn't have a synchronized team. swimming team. Oh, scandalous. <laughs> it was scandalous because we didn't have a synchronized swimming team there. We didn't? No. Wow. I don't know. I love the Olympics. As you can I tell. Do, but I just, I actually love my favorite, one of my favorite stories is the two women who helped each other when they like fell <gasps> over each other. Wasn't that amazing? And I only saw a little bit of it, but I, they got Olympic medals for sportsmanship. They did get medals? Yeah. Did they really? For good sportsmanship. Mm-hmm. I watched all of the news and I didn't see that part of it. I didn't know they gave them medals. Or unless someone it was so amazing. I mean, bullshit. every now and then you see stuff like that and it just, it, it, I love those stories. I really love those stories. Or the people, you know, the guy who comes in the marathon second to last and when he crosses the finish line, they, have, they show pictures of him like, like he won. You know, he was so excited and so elated and he was second to last, but he was so like the journey that got him there, he was just so proud to like finish. Those are the those are the things that really like. Crying, I cry. I can't, and I don't watch a lot of stuff because I. Kirk's hormonal today, people. Kirk's hormonal. I, I cry I, all the time. I love I love that shit. I love the stuff, and you know when they they the agony of defeat is just as like heart wrenching to me as the as the you know the the awards and the the triumph and the the sweet victory. It's, it's just, I don't know. There's everything about it. that's so amazing to me. And of course the fact that we get to be body shamed for two weeks where you're like, wow, look at all those amazing, physically amazing specimens. You know who, um, is it Tom Daly or Tim Daly? You know who that is? The British, the British 
uh, diver. No, I... he came out. He came out after the last Olympics for being gay. He won. I think he won a gold medal. It was a big deal because you know the Chinese always win all of the, sweep all of the diving right. because they're ridiculous divers. Well, he wins a medal. Gorgeous. This kid. He's now in his twenties. Gorgeous. Ridiculous bodies. And the big you know joke is for me is the divers wear like next to nothing. They basically right. have band aids and you know and some string. I don't know how they hit the water at that G-force. They even have underwater cameras and how their little man panties stay on their bodies. Right. So he, there was an article because one of my friends was talking about it on Facebook. Like, what's the deal with the man panties on the divers? Because for me, you know, the swimmers wear those little tight biker shorts. Why can't the divers wear those? Why do they make them wear? Like, you can see butt crack in the back. They're so small. Yeah. And um, so there was an article where Tom Daly, I think it's Tom Daly, there was an article where he was talking about how he had worked with Stella McCartney to design the British divers' new swimsuits for modesty. And I was thinking, oh, okay, well, maybe they're bigger. No, no, not bigger. They just designed them so they're, I guess it was all the internal mechanisms to keep everything all tucked in because I guess the old ones didn't necessarily keep everything tucked in. Nice. But he also came out for being gay. Uh, God bless him. I guess he's engaged now. And he also talked about he came out after the last Olympics and talked about how in the Olympic village, they hand out like there's what 10,000 athletes in their top peak physical condition, except for maybe the shot putters. Those they got, they're beefy, but um, they, you know, they're on their top peak physical condition in a village together, all worked up and hormonal. So apparently they hand out like 50,000 condoms in the Olympic village. And that he said, there's just, Lots of sex happening. Lots oh, really? of sex. Oh, yeah, a lot. Because you don't really think about it. You watch the Olympics like, oh, they're there to it's see. And look at this. But, oh, yeah, there's lots of sex because you look at, like, look at what they look like. And they're all together. And then they're done. In a small area. Hanging out for two weeks. Yeah, they don't all. Some of them Some of them go home. Poor Gabby Douglas. She went home, like, immediately. I think she was so sad and, like, distraught about how she was being treated. I think she she bailed. But, a lot of them go home because I don't think they can afford to be there. I don't think they're allowed to stay in the Olympic Village for very long after they're done. <laughs> but um, well, what else are they going to do with it? Oh, whatever. They go home because if they're like some of them who compete in the, the swimmers and stuff. Who like for example, the swimmers who were in that scandal that got pulled off the airplane. Yeah. That was another big thing. They were going home. Ryan Lochte went home. The swimmers went home because you know they they compete in the very beginning and not everybody cares about sticking around for the closing ceremony. Apparently, I would. I'd be so if I made it into the Olympics. Yeah, man, I'd be soaking in every last exactly. ounce of it. I think they can stay the whole two weeks. I mean, what else are they going to do with the rooms? It's not like they're waiting for other people. Well, they do. They do. I mean, there are stages. The track and field is the second week. The swimming and the you know the gymnastics is the first week. So I don't know that you're allowed to just hang out and stay in your in your I mean, room in the Olympic Village if you're not competing. I mean, why would there I mean that the closing ceremonies there might be five people there then? Um. Yeah, when you look at the closing ceremonies, there's a lot of empty seats. All right. I think they put out chairs for all the athletes, but there's, I'll have to, we'll have to, to Google that for all of our, because I know our, our listeners you know are so interested. I have a little bit of a Gert Grant, actually. You know what bothers mm. me? Mm. Uh, Gert Grant, fuck! I don't like it when I'm at, um, like, a sporting event or something like that where people tend to be wearing caps, you know, baseball caps or whatnot. Yeah. And women don't remove their caps. It pisses me for the national anthem yep you need i don't think i ever removed my cap for the national anthem 
do you see all the men remove their cap? Because that's respectful. You need to remove your cap. You know, I'm a woman. It doesn't count for women. Is there a, that's a rule? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So because you know how long it takes you to do your hair? I don't give a fuck. We want to be seen as equals, but we're not going to remove our hat because it's going to make our hair look bad? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> yeah, because sometimes it takes you a long time to get your hair, like, through the ponytail holder in the back of the thing and to take your hat off and then, have, then you can't fix it again. And it's a lot of work. Okay. Honestly, I, I think it was only one time. The only reason I say this is because the last time I went to a baseball game, I didn't wear a baseball hat. But the time before that, I did. And I do remember when the National Anthem was playing, I do remember having a fleeting moment of, oh, shit, am I supposed to take my hat off? Fuck, if I take my hat off, it's going to mess up my hair. So I'm pretty sure I don't think I did. Or maybe I did. I don't think I did. It was a long time ago, but I'm pretty sure I didn't. Okay. Well, it's, you know, it's done, you know, pretty much as respect. Um, yeah. Women, okay, so, and well, here's interesting. Emily Post in 1922 says, it is not necessary to add that every American male citizen stands with his hat off at the passing of the colors, and when the national anthem is played, colors being the flags. If he didn't, some other more loyal citizen would take it off for him. It would seem to me that this act of forcing someone to remove their hat would actually disrespect the flag and what it stands for with more loyal citizens, she describes, actually more or less fitting on what the flag and the anthem represent. So you should not... So here's a little something. If you see a man wearing a hat, you are not to remove it for him. That would be considered disrespectful. Uh, duh. If someone takes offense at the lady keeping her hat on during the national anthem for the sake of civility, the lady should take her hat off. And Miss Manor says the reason that there's a difference behind the rules between men and women in regards to hat etiquette is due to the fact that traditionally women wore hats that often would be elaborately pinned into their hair. They also may contain flowers, bows, ribbons, and other decorations that would be difficult to remove and put back in. Thus, if a woman is simply wearing a baseball cap that is easily removed and put back on, they cannot claim ladies' exemption. So Emily Post is basically agreeing with me. No, she's agreeing that if you have a big hat, like a summer bonnet, that is pinned in or whatnot, Right. That is ladies' etiquette. Otherwise, if you have baseball cap on, that you are you cannot. No, she said if there was a hair issue, if it was a hair issue, then it was okay for you not to. If a woman is simply wearing a baseball cap that is easily removed, easily removed, easily removed. What are you doing with your hair that you cannot take the cap on and pull it off? You do the ponytail thing, and then you pull it through the thing. You pull it through the hole in the back, and you have to like tuck everything in and. I'm sorry. Emily Post agrees with me. Nope. If it's easily removed, then it's one thing. Mine is not easily removed because of the way I do it. Um, so I'm just here. So here's my point. That I'm, Emily Post agrees with me. No, my point is that I don't like it. That's that's my my deal. Your grant has been refuted. Uh, hey, ooh. I am having more and more and more of that the baby brain. My memory, like for words, is getting worse. And I felt like I was taking vitamins there for a while that was really helping, and now it's getting worse. Are you having issues with that hormonal I am, issues actually, with that? What are I you am. taking? Is it no, is it helping? I don't know what I'm taking. I think it's just stress. Quite frankly. Oh, that could be it. Yeah, because your mind's doing so many different things that you just can't always 
think of the worst. Because some of my some of my other friends who are the same age are having the same issues where it's gotten worse, like it's getting worse. Hmm. Either we're all getting Alzheimer's. Well, maybe or we, maybe we just didn't care what we were saying when we were younger, so we had to think about it. I don't remember this being any more or less. I I noticed that in my life during times of stress, I get a little befumbled with my words. Befumbled. Befumbled. Speaking of <laughs> befumbled, word of the week. Word of the, word week. Of the week. Lachicism. Lachicism? Lachicism. Use in a sentence, please. I'll spell it first. L-A-C-H-E-S-I-S-M. Lachicism. Lachicism. Okay. Um, every time I watch the news and see something awful happen to people, I am struck by my um, own lachicism. Mortality? A feeling of one's own mortality? No. Um, okay, hang on. Uh, a feeling of sympathy, having extreme sympathy for something. Let me try that again. Whenever I see the news and see things, disasters or whatnot that happen to other people, it is my sense of wondering what happens to them that I am reminded of my own lachicism. Wow, that was actually, I think, a good sentence. No, it really wasn't. Um, it was rambly. <laughs> You're reminded of your own, but that takes me back to mortality. Of your own, a reminded of your own. So an ism is a belief, right? Belief in. Or desire, a belief or desire. Ism, that's what ism means? Mm-hmm. Desire. It's a hard one. Desire to. I'm not even, I don't know. I'm not going to call dumb girl on this. Oh, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> it's the desire to be struck by disaster, to survive a plane crash, or to lose everything in a fire. Okay, that's a, yeah, that was a bad sentence you gave me. Multiple bad sentences. But really, people actually have that? They have a desire to have disastrous things happen to them? I don't know. This is, is like you know a what? form of Munchausen's where you're like, then you get sympathy by people? Maybe, maybe, because then you're on the news and you get, and you feel important, but you feel important for like 15 seconds, and then for the rest of your life, you're traumatized by losing everything in a disaster. But I, I feel like there are people who really do thrive on drama. I know a few. And I always stay away from those people, and there's been, you know, a decent amount of drama going on for me off and on lately, and you have those brief moments where you go, oh, my God, I get it. I get how people can get sucked into that. If you have, if you go through a period of your life where you have a lot of drama going on, I get all of a sudden that pull towards needing it where every day you're like, where when you talk to people, you go, oh, my life is so much drama. There's so much drama going on. Uh." Or, you know, you have something to talk about or something to gossip about or, or it gives you that like every day you're like, oh, what happened? What happened today? Did anything happen today? And I, that, I had like a moment, I had a, a brief glimpse of that, and then I just kind of stepped back and went, oh, no, no, I reject that. Don't tell me. I don't want to know. Don't tell me anything about it because I, I got a glimpse of what that must be like for those people and how they get some sort of a buzz or a thrill off of being able to have drama to talk about. It's yeah. awful. What an awful way to live. I know. I love when I can say to people and they go, hey, what's going on? And I go, nothing. And it's nothing. exciting to me. A book. I'm reading this book. (laughs) So this word of the week kind of leads into this next story that I have, which you may have heard about. And you know that um, poor Louisiana, which has been completely downplayed in whatever news I've seen. I haven't seen all that much about it. But boy, what a disaster that storm has been in the the communities down there and a lot of destruction. There's a 
a gentleman down there who, uh, he's a guy who says God sends natural disasters to punish gays. Yeah, of course. That's what they're for. Well, then he must be gay. Isn't that interesting? Is he gay? Did he come out of the closet afterwards? I was going to say, that's quite the, quite the way to come out to your wife, that you're gay. Listen, I, you go out there and you spout to people, God sends forth natural disasters to show us that the sinfulness of homosexuality is wrong. Please tell me, though, please, please tell me that some, some local reporter interviewed him and asked him that question. Well, Tony Did Perkins, anybody call him on it? I'm going to read the story here. Tony Perkins, president of the anti-gay religious lobbying group, the Family Research Council, has had his home destroyed by the massive flooding ravaging southern Louisiana this past week. Although no one wants to celebrate a person losing their home, the destruction of Perkins' house isn't without any irony, considering that he's claimed in the past that natural disasters are God's way of punishing an increasingly gay-friendly world. Calling into his own radio show, Perkins described the flood as being of biblical proportions, adding that he and his family will have to live in a camper for six months until the damage is repaired. But Perkins was careful to point out that this particular flood, this flood, oh, just this this one, one flood, wasn't because of the gays, rather an, quote, incredible, encouraging spiritual exercise yeah. To take you to the next level in your walk with an almighty and gracious God who does all things well. And yeah. Well. yeah, no, that makes more sense. So the flood in Louisiana so far has killed 11 people and destroyed over 40,000 homes. God. Last year, Perkins had a guest on his radio show, a Christian prophet, Jonathan Kahn, who claimed that Hurricane Joaquin was a sign of God's wrath for the legalization of gay marriage. <laughs> Miss Betty Bowers... Mrs. Betty Bowers, I think what they, I forget what they call her, like the greatest Christian or whatever. It's kind of a tongue-in-cheek thing. She tweets at him the, to this Tony Perkins guy or Tim Perkins. What's his name? Tony Perkins. The Lord, destroy, the Lord destroyed your home in a great flood. You know what that makes you in any Noah analogy? Like, hey, she didn't write that, but it's gay. Perkins agreed saying that while those... She, so she called him gay? She, well, she outed him. I mean, she's saying, you know, you, you can't say that these natural disasters are about gay and then tell, say that you're not. You know what I mean? Like, say that, oh, except for me. Everybody but right. Um, Perkins agreed, saying that while those on the left like to mock these things, many throughout history know God is trying to send us a message through natural disasters. Like, maybe we should stop killing our fucking planet. Yeah. Um, Perkins has quite a dark history on anti-LGBT activism. In 2010, he praised the infamous Kill the Gays bill in Uganda saying it was an effort to uphold moral conduct that protects others and, in particular, the most vulnerable. According to Right Wing Watch, i to say that three times fast, the bill right calls for life in prison watch. for having sex even once with a member of the same sex. This, this, this prison guy, forever? Prison forever. Yeah, that seems fair. Yeah, so this guy, oops, careful what you wish for. Can you go to prison forever? No, I'm talking, yeah. Totally. Oh, just about a towel? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't wish people to, like, be beset by tragedy, but... I also just him, people, maybe just, just him. Yeah, I just also don't like people that say that kind of shit. That God does things for any reason, you know. That's like gonna hurt someone, or like that God's a vengeful God. It's just, you know, I mean, and I know that some of our listeners don't even have that kind of religious feeling of, that a God towards God or not God. But I don't know. I, I'm just so tired of this negative God shit, gays and same-sex marriages, and pretty sure it's just global warming. 
you know what? And you know whose fault ultimately it is? Obama. Thanks, Obama. Thanks, Obama. Thanks, Obama. It's your fault. No, this one's Al Gore's fault. It's Al Gore's fault. Because there is no global warming. But um, on a lighter note, did you hear about the man who was cited for indecent exposure and he claims he was mixing a protein shake? This is one. I might have. I might have. In Lincoln, Nebraska, a Lincoln man was cited Tuesday on two counts of indecent exposure for incidents at area convenience stores. 21-year-old Nathan Grimes was taken into custody at his residence. Police say a 49-year-old woman was walking out of Casey's General Store around 6.45 a.m. on Monday when she noticed a man masturbating inside his white Mazda. He was making a protein shake. He was making a protein shake. I get it. Yeah. Late Wednesday, or last Wednesday, a 35-year-old woman was getting gas at the Shell station at about 3.45 p.m. when she glanced over to see a man masturbating inside a white Mazda. When she reached for her phone to call the police, the car left the area. Both women were able to provide a detailed description of the suspect and got the car's license plate number, which led police to Grimes. Now, Grimes... Yeah, but how do you prove it? If he said, she said, uh, she saw me, but not... What? I was there. Maybe they know what you're talking about. He told officers uh, he was at the Casey's, but he denied masturbating. He claimed he was mixing his protein shake. That's what he told them. He was mixing his protein shake. Technically, medically, legally, that's what he was doing. He if was. he drank it, if he drank it, he oh. was making himself a protein shake. Uh, that's what I thought. I'm like, some protein shake. <laughs> it is protein. I mean, I, yeah. I agree. So technically, so did he get off? Did he, though? Did he get arrested or did, he, did they let him go? They didn't say. I think, I think the case is still pending. I'm going to guess they let him go for lack of proof. There's no proof. Right. Unless, you have to the cameras, unless the cameras at the convenience store or at the shell station. You're not going to see it. You're just going to see movement in his car. There's no proof. Yeah. Well, I guess he's going to get off on that one. Huh. Yeah. So, huh. the last huh. thing that I've got to say, because this is just, this is where I call stupidity at its finest, and I just shake my head at this. Yeah. Um, at the local McDonald's, I don't eat their food necessarily. Occasional egg McMuffin. Uh, but I do get their dollar a huge ass unsweetened iced tea, which we have commented before on my ginormous iced tea that I drink. So for McDonald's? For McDonald's. They have dollar iced teas? Yeah, and they're huge. They're like 32 ounces. That's what's wrong. That's, the, that's why our nation is overweight because oh, people know. eat, uh, not dollar iced teas, but people eat like, you know, the dollar Big Mac or the dollar. Sure. So that's all you can afford. Sure. Dollar iced. I'll have to try that out. Is this a sweet tea? I get unsweetened with lemon. That's what I do. So there's no calories. Um, so I, I'm driving through one day and I'm at a, the corner, like, I'm, you know, like I'm driving through and I'm at their, like, they're kind of next to their, adjacent to their back door where they have a utility box of some sort. Mm-hmm. And my window's open, and I'm noticing hundreds of bees flying in and out of the utility box. So clearly, at the McDonald's? Yeah, like about five feet from my car. Oh, God. So it's like the path, right? Their path is like they're flying in and out. They're, I think they, they look like honeybees, not wasps. Needless to say, they should be removed. Yeah. I don't like killing honeybees, so it's. No, no, you can. Removed. They have many of companies that will come out and move them. Right relocate but you still can get stung and they can still get in your car and it's a summer day and you have your windows down i thought it incumbent upon me as a good citizen of the world to tell them to tell them yeah that they had a bee problem hang on let me let me make some educated guesses here they didn't care mm. 
They told you to keep it keep it to yourself. No, no. So I pull up to the window, and you know the girl's like, "Hey, what's Uncle McDonald's?" Excuse me, and I give her the money, I, and I see that here's my dollar oh nine. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> Good for you. Well, bing, bing, bing. So behind her is the manager's office, and the doors open, and there's two managers talking to each other. And I said, "Listen, y'all got a B problem right outside your, you know, right behind your back door here, and it could fly into people's car." And it's a big problem, and you might want to address it because I also imagine your employees going in and out that back door to change the McDonald's signs, you know, the menus. <laughs> now, that would be something that would be funny to watch on YouTube. Is it a McDonald's employee trying to change the sign being swarmed by bees? Awesome. That's good times. Yeah, so, I like that. I'd watch I that. Tell, I tell them that, and I, you know, go my merry way, and I don't think much of it. A couple of days later, I go back to Cincinnati. I'm going to guess the bee problem was still there. Be probably still there, but what made me, and I'm seeing them hundreds just flying in and out. They put a fly trap, like a fly strip, like something that you get at the dollar store. <laughs> Were there any bees stuck to it at all? No, it's, it's completely covered in bees. But when you, but to me it was like, are you people just so fucking stupid that you yes. don't realize we're talking about hundreds of yes. bees? Yes, you have to relocate, relocate the queen is what you need to do. I was just, I was stymied, and I'm just like, I can't even believe that someone who would be a manager could not see that this was not a can you way. Can you not believe that someone who is managing at a McDonald's wouldn't, like, can you think that that McDonald's would, would not, would, would really want to, like, make a call and, and do some research to find somewhere who can humanely relocate some bees? You don't think they're just going to, like, stick up a couple of fly strips? That makes total sense to me. I... I I shook my head. I really I laughed. I really laughed really hard. I looked at <laughs> my window. Yeah. I was, and while I was rolling my window, you're gonna need to find a different McDonald's to frequent. Oh my gosh! But I was just like, oh boy, this is how this is problem solving at its finest here at the McDonald's. Yes. Yes. So there you go. There you go. I've been having weird dreams, like really weird dreams. I've had. A couple of I had a couple of weird ones, too. Sometimes I have, like, a, there was one that was really bizarre I was going to talk about. I was going to talk about it now, of course. You know, I can never remember. A, day, a couple of days go by, and the dreams just go away. But you said yours were, like, Fellini. You were having Fellini-esque dreams. Fellini-esque. Like, oh, a couple of nights ago, there was one where I was in an apartment, and it's, a, it's kind of a reoccurring thing that happens where this apartment is much bigger on the inside, and it's got, like, little caverns and, like, subrooms that you don't really know exist, and... And one of, this, one of these areas is haunted. And whenever I go in there and I have to sleep in there, like the spirits come at me and I'm basically, you know, like, go with love. That's, my, that's one of my things, you know, like, because everything to me is the highest vibration of love. So this last one, I, I was walking by this section of the a house and the apartment door opened. It was a room in the apartment. It opened and it was freezing inside. Like, you could see the ice on everything. And I'm like, oh, shit, they're going to come for me. And I'm, I'm yelling, close the door. I command you to close the door. In your dream? Yeah, you must close the door. And as I was saying that black vapor, like a blanket, came to overtake me because they were going to suck me into that room. And I woke up and I, I was freaking out because it's so scary. And then the other night, I think the night before last, I had a dream about my mom. My mom, the, my mom's anniversary of her death is in two weeks 
Mm. And I'm feeling sad. And I've been having a lot of dreams about her. And she's been in a lot of my dreams lately. And so I think I woke up yesterday morning, like, actually with tears in my eyes, which was kind of mm. sad because that means that my dreams are kind of coming from my subconscious to my conscious patterns. But my dreams have been really Fellini-esque because last night, from the first part of my dream, I was on a train and the seats were really close together and there wasn't really much of an aisle. And there were these rather large, white, obese women sitting all around me. And they were all in like tank tops, so it was just like a lot of white flesh, big women. And I was rocking because I was getting anxious. And the woman in front of me starts yelling at me that I'm pushing her, which I wasn't pushing her. And then all these other obese women start yelling at me. And now I'm getting upsetted. I like that word. I'm soft. I'm getting upset because I'm being yelled at. And I'm already feeling bad because I got some stress going on in my daily life. In my dreams, I'm getting stressed out. And then I, like, somehow changed my dream to me holding this Mexican baby. <laughs> and his abuela is there. And he starts throwing up, like out of the exorcist, I mean, he's vomiting like this orange and I've got towels underneath him and he won't stop throwing up and it's everywhere. And I was like trapped in the vomit as well. And I think my mom was in that dream. I don't know what the hell is going on. I'm tired. That's not a good night's sleep. No, no, it's not. I don't like restless dreams. I can usually never remember mine. I had a. I thought it was usually just the feeling that the dream evokes, being overwhelmed or being. But I, I had a scary dream the other night, which I don't have very often. But it's that feeling when you wake up in the middle of the night and your entire body. Maybe it's just me, but like my entire body, I feel like the inside is just kind of tingling and kind of pulsing. And I don't know if it's just fear. It's like tingling with fear, where everything, all the hairs in your body. And you, you just have that, like, you wake up terrified and you're, you're, you know, you can't go back to sleep because your body is all tingling and you're, you're terrified of, like, every movement in the house. And yeah, I just scooch closer to my dude. And, of course, it's hot. So I'm like, it's too hot. But I'm terrified. You put all the covers on you and, like, somehow, I don't know what it is about having covers on you that makes you all of a sudden feel safe. Like, if someone was going to come and murder you, they couldn't murder you through the covers. But there's something about having, like, the heavier, just the sheet, that's not safe enough. I have to have, like, the comforter on top of me. That makes oh, me feel sure. safe. Like, is that, like, your superpower protective barrier? Yeah. That's uh, you know what I did? totally same. I'm not a um, traditional religious person, but I'm a spiritual person. And I totally think, like, Jesus was a dude who lived, you know, kind of thing. Like, I, I'm, Jesus is just all right with me, according to the song. Jesus so, like, I, I totally have this relationship in my, in my spirituality. Yeah, with with Jay, I call him Jay. With Jay, <laughs> Jay. After, <laughs> after my um, dream the other night about this, then uh, mean spirit people trying to get me. Yeah. I woke up. I turned the TV on for a minute because I had to like get grounded in like some kind of reality that wasn't freaking me out. Yeah. And I went back to bed and I asked Jay if he would spoon me. Like I called Jay. You asked Jesus in your dream to spoon you. Well, I know I wasn't dreaming. I was awake. I was going to go back. I wanted to go back to sleep. So I, I said, Jay, Jesus, will you spoon me? And I said, and I don't care if you wear those Birkenstocks to bed. Like, you can come in with your sandals and your dress. And I'm good with that. So that's what I did. And I fell back to sleep. Because I said, Jesus was spooning me. I'll try that next time. I do that. I do that whenever I have But no fucking sandals in my bed. That's dirty and they're gross. Clean. We, I have an agreement with him that they're clean. They have to be clean. But he likes to wear them. 
If he was really Jesus, he would be forgiving enough to take them off and not want to wear his dirty sandals in your bed. No, he likes to wear heels. He likes to, I think Jesus likes to cross-dress a little bit, likes funky clothes, mm-hmm. you know. He can yeah. wear whatever he wants. No one's going to call him names. Jesus. That's true. Like, you know, he's, he's a dude. They kind of did wear dresses back then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Night shirts. I mean, technically. Toga type thingies. Yeah. You know, or sheets. Rather, they'd be called sheets. All right, well, Jeez. I guess this is where we took Jesus Sheets. Jesus Sheets. That would be a, t- a good name for a band, but really hard to say. Welcome Jeez. to the stage, Jesus Sheets. What? What? What's it? Jesus Sheets. Jesus Sheets. That's like the bank. That's like the bank. Fifth. There's a bank called Fifth Third Bank. Right. Sometimes, yeah, have- sometimes I've auditioned for it, and I thought, really, what kind of a joke is that? I'd like to go to Fifth Third Bank. Right. Do you list? Fifth third. No, I don't have. I'm just. I want. Fifth, Did you say fifth? fifth do, you, do you know where fifth third is? Fifth, fifth, third? fifth third bank. Is fifth third bank done? I need to go fifth third bank to get some cash to go see Jesus Sheathing concert. Sister, <laughs> <laughs> I hardly know her. I need to go to fifth third bank so to get some cash. This is worth repeating. Go ahead. I need it. I need to go to our show today. I need to go to Fifth Third Bank to get some cash. I'm going to see Jesus Sheets tonight <laughs> at the Omni. <laughs> I want to buy beer. I want to buy beer at Jesus Sheets concert. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm so glad we ended this laughing. Yep. Okay. Really, really, thank you for listening to this episode. Like, thank you so much. Um, we love you guys. We'll see you next week. Um, maybe I'll have a little more sunshine. I think, yeah, I'll be good. It's good. All good. Love you guys. Bye. All good. Bye. I need someone who's clean with a dirty mind.